everyone. Welcome to the Bringing Reading Back podcast. This is season two, Shit You'd Read and Lit, where we analyze the novels that are typically featured in one's high school English classes. Join us as we share personal anecdotes, ask philosophical questions, and dive deep into plot and characters. Heads up, episodes will be full of spoilers and potentially feature a bit of foul language. I hope you're excited as we are to share some of the classics. Hello, all, and welcome to Season 2 of Bringing Reading Back. I'm Tori, joined with my two co-hosts. Hey, I'm Danielle. And this is Jade. All right, so this is the very first pre-pod episode of Season 2. This season is all about shit that you would read in lit. (laughs) So this is all of the classic literature that you would really dive deep into in your high school English class. Um, I don't think junior high, but mostly high school English class. So we are just going to get right into the plot summary of this week's book or this episode's book, Fahrenheit 451. By the infamous Ray Bradbury. Okay, so we open for we open Fahrenheit 451 with our main protagonist Guy Montag or Mon Montag. Uh, I think it's Mon. I always read Montag, but I mispronounce everything. So same. Okay, <laughs> the person who read my audiobook said Montag, but also his voice was annoying. So <laughs> Montag, perfect. Well, Okay, so Montag is introduced, uh, and he lives in a futuristic American city where the world is a little bit different than it is today. So for one, he his profession is a fireman, or a fireman, but uh, it's not like the firemen we have today. Instead of putting out fires like our firemen do, this world's firemen actually start fires and they burn specifically books because it is against the law to own or keep or collect or read books so his job is to track down leads and as soon as they have it confirmed that someone is harboring books to go to their home and burn it take them to jail so this has been his profession for a while and he seems to just go about his day kind of not questioning anything, just doing his job, going home, period. But a little hiccup happens in the course of his routine. He meets his new next-door neighbor, Clarice McClellan. She is a teenage girl who he immediately notices is a little strange. She walks outside all of the time. She greets him really enthusiastically on his way to work, which is pretty rare Um, I feel like maybe not everyone is super personable in his time. And so to have someone who is so forward and then has these crazy topics that she wants to discuss, discuss with a perfect stranger, he is just so weirded out by her. But the more and more that they interact, he's just becoming intrigued. Um, yeah. And I think it's important to note, so especially the world that we're set in early on, individuals don't ask how other people are doing. If you're walking down the street and you see another person, 
you don't make small talk with them. And that's why Clarice is so strange to Guy, because she's asking him, you know, weird questions. You know, have you ever looked at the stars? Have you ever done this? Have you ever done that? Questions that most people wouldn't think to ask. So he feels very put off. So after his first conversation with Clarice, he goes back into his home and he finds his wife laying in the bed, the separate bed, they have two separate beds, and he finds his wife barely breathing and he realizes as he's walking into the dark room that his foot has kicked a bottle of sleeping pills and his wife has taken the entire bottle of sleeping pills and is currently ODing. So he phones an emergency number and these two men who aren't doctors show up at his home and they pump his wife's stomach. There's a cat on my desk. <laughs> they pump his wife's stomach and... <laughs> Thank you. Um, pump her stomach and put fresh blood in her, which is really strange. They take all of her blood out and pump it in with fresh blood that doesn't have the toxins in it. And they tell him that she'll be fine and go along their merry way because they have more calls to do that evening. So we're definitely looking into a society that is very obsessed with self, but also very depressed. So from there, his wife, Mildred, forgot her name for a second. I was like, what's his wife's name? What's his name? Who is this person? So from there, he wakes up the next morning. Mildred is back to her normal self. She's watching TV. She's got a radio in her ear. And it's interesting to note that the TVs that they have are actually panels of their wall. So in their TV room, it's three of their four walls have giant screens on them. So they're like immersed in whatever show that they're watching at the time. So she's she's going in, she's watching TV, and he leaves for work. So whenever he goes to work, he notices that the electric hound, is it an electric? Yeah, electric hound that they have at the fire station that goes in and catches various prey animals. I'll get back to that in the, the actual pod because I have feelings about this. But that catches the individuals who are trying to escape and basically euthanizes them. He notices that that hound is is kind of growling at him and, and acting strangely. An animal that has no feelings seems to be acting like it doesn't like him. Like this robotic creature seems to be harboring some sort of distaste for him and it's not a real animal. So he goes up to the guys in the firehouse. <laughs> Jen's trying to get in. She got kicked out for being bad. Um, she's trying to get in the door. Anyway, guy goes up to the firehouse and goes up with the guys and they get called out on a fire call. And so on this particular call, there's a woman who's been harboring various books, the Bible in particular, and they go through and they're trying to beat on the ceiling to figure out where these books are being hidden. Whenever they find them, they start to light them on fire. Guy grabs a book, stuffs it under his arm, is on his way out and uh, notices that the woman who owns the home is still there. Uh, she's not leaving. The house is burning, um, but she isn't. It's been doused in gasoline. And she has no desire to to leave. Wait, it's it's not on fire yet, though, right? It's just it's just covered in gas. Yeah, it's not on fire. No, no. Yes, yeah, it's just covered. Or um, oh shoot, what's the thing that you put in lamps? Kerosene. Kerosene. Yeah, thank you. I noticed it was like, it was a weird thing. Um, but basically, an igniter fluid has covered the house, everything in it. It's going to go up in flames whenever they flip a button. The woman has no desire to leave. Uh, she stands on her front porch. And whenever Guy tries to convince her to go, she pulls out a, mat or a match from her kitchen. And basically says, you know, I'd rather die here. 
then go to whoever you guys, whatever you guys have planned for me next. And she catches on fire and Guy watches her burn. And in that moment, he's just completely and totally shocked and stunned. You know, previously he had, he had experienced, you know, confusion from this life that he knew with Clarice. But now he's just all sorts of messed up. And it's something that's really, for lack of a better word, burned into his brain. <laughs> Dun-dun. So, um, this really fucks him up in his mind because he's like, why would anybody do this? What is in books to make it worth it? There's, because from his perspective, from what he's heard, there's nothing. Why, why would somebody do this? Um, so he calls into work sick. He, um, hangs out in his bed. Uh, his wife, he tries to get his wife to call in for him and she's, not about it. She's really just focused on, you know, like your job supports our lifestyle. So what, like, what do you mean you're not going into work? But his boss ends up coming to visit him instead. And he's like, you know, are you feeling sick? And Montag is like, yeah, you know, not feeling great. Not, I don't think I'm going to make it in. And his boss, Beatty, is, you know, he's like, you know, I've seen all of this before. He's, he's an old timer, you know, kind of calls himself one. Sometimes firemen just, they, they get the urge to experiment essentially and they want to, to read the books. And so sometimes they'll take one home and then it just really causes confusion and Beattie outlines how books are the cause of disruption and unhappiness in society, or they were, um, which is why they had to be banned because they caused confusion and one book would contradict another. So. To kind of take out that, um, society just stopped reading, and then when they stopped reading, um, it was just it was a good uh, good uh, opportunity as any to just make them to ban them, make them illegal, take out the temptation to be confused, and then he's like, "Are you going to be coming in later today?" And Montag's like, "Yeah, you know, I guess I'll guess I'll be there for a later shift um, since I didn't make my day shift." So Beatty ends up leaving. And Montag takes the moment to tell Mildred that he's been stealing books and that he really wants to read them. And she is not about it. She's very upset at the threat that it poses to their life. And so he, you know, he shares his secret. But then he's also thinking back to um, an old man he'd met in the park a year before who had given him his address. Um, him and this old man's name is Faber had kind of bonded and Faber sent out some feelers by quoting poetry. Montag did not turn him in, so Faber left him his address. And he goes and calls him, and then he ends up visiting him. And they start coming up with a plan to take down the system and to plant books in firemen's houses so that their own house would be the ones burning instead of others. At the same time, a war breaks out between the city that they're living in and other countries. So, initially, Faber is a little apprehensive to help Montag in such a large way, but uh, really, he's just a little, um, probably nervous or scared about getting caught in this illegal lifestyle, but ultimately, he does agree to help Montag, and he even gives him a little earpiece as a way for them to communicate when Montag when Montag goes about his life. 
So he leaves and he goes back to work. He's playing cards with um, the fellow firemen, including his boss, Beatty. And some things are said back and forth. They're having a discussion. And you can tell that uh, Beatty is kind of feeling him out. And he's really getting very philosophical here with Montag explaining, you know, you've got to, people wanted this, people are the ones that allowed this to happen because they, you know, they want to be entertained. They don't want these philosophical questions to worry about. You know, they just want to live their lives and be happy. We are not the bad guys, basically. Well, during this game, they get a call to go start a fire. And once they get to the location, Montag realizes that it's his own home and his wife bursts through the door with her bags, loads up their car, and leaves. So she has turned him in for not getting rid of of his book collection in a timely manner, like Beatty kind of gave him that leeway. So Beatty's like, you're going to burn your own house and then you're going to go to jail. Well, Montag is not having that, and so he turns the flamethrower onto his fellow firemen and ends up killing Beatty and two other firemen as well as the electric hound that comes after him and he's pretty much on the run so he flees the scene and knows that the only place he can go is Faber's home so he has a very nerve-wracking trip across town he is almost ran over by a few teenagers and he's really worried about other hounds or search copters or whatever finding him and so he finally gets to Faber's house and Faber thought he was for sure dead because he had to hear everything through the headset but he realizes that he's not and they kind of give get a plan to get Montag out of there and alleviate his scent from Faber's home, so hopefully it'll keep Faber safe. So Montag goes on his merry way, and he follows the river, and he's just pretty much fleeing, and ends up kind of coming across a band of, I I think there's three, I think there was three individuals kind of camping out, and they're like, we know who you are. (laughs) So his chase his escape had been of course broadcasted because it's very entertaining for the general public but he had presented too much of a challenging case and so they're like just wait they're definitely going to fake your capture because a chase that goes on too long is not entertaining anymore so you'll be fine you'll just be an outcast so they do and he realizes that these individuals are also outcasts that in the old world were probably um, more highly educated individuals that were for books, whether that be professors or artists, you know, philosophers, what have you. There is a whole network of these outcast individuals, and they tell Montag that they are preserving different books by memory. And so that later one day they, they might may be able to pass on those, those stories, those books through oral traditions. And he just happens to be one of the books of the Bible. Does anyone remember which one? Ecclesiastes and part of Revelation. 
So yeah, he, even if he can remember some of them, you know, he is now those books. So he's got to make it so he can pass it along. And while they are stranded, the city that he is just flown fleed fled <laughs> the city fled. fled oh my god we're so stupid <laughs> fled 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 there we go the city we have three master's degrees between oh, us shit. but we the city words that are he's just fled it's... ends up being bombed because of the war <laughs> and so everything's destroyed and he's still alive so take that I was saying that about wraps it up. They all make the decision that, like, we are the future and, like, we need to be here to help pick up the pieces when people come come questioning why it's happening and when they're outcast for a reason that's not criminal, quote-unquote. Um, that, but that's that's where we're left is with the, the kind of what if. Yeah. Yeah. Just got to wait. Yep, just got to wait it out. And with that, that wraps out the pre-pod for Fahrenheit 451. Tune in tomorrow and you'll hear our take on some issues within the book itself. Uh, We'll dive a little bit deeper into the characters and into topics that we found interesting. Until then, BRB. BRB. BRB.